This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Jim Power, an interesting week uh, in business and some really uh, eye-popping forecasts from IMF. Yeah, yeah, yes, John. Um, it, it's been quite extraordinary. Um, last summer, sort of July, August period, uh, the IMF, along with many other international forecasting agencies, had a very, very negative view on the world economy for the foreseeable future. And I suppose for 2020, that did materialize. You know, G- global GDP fell by 3.3%. And that apparently was the largest decline in global growth since the Great Depression. So it, it was an extraordinary year. And, you know, it certainly was pretty the speed and the synchronized nature of the collapse in global economic activity was pretty much without precedent. But what has happened in the last four or five months, agencies like the IMF, the OECD in Paris, they have all been sort of racing with each other to upgrade their global forecasts. And this week we saw the IMF come out at 6% global growth forecast for this year and 4.4% in 2022. Um, That's a 1% increase on what they were forecasting three months ago. So it's, it's, it's a massive upward revision in the context of these types of economic forecasts. And the key reasons why they have become much more upbeat is number one, uh, the fact that support for economies is still very, very strong. You know, central banks are continuing to pump money in through quantitative easing. Um, governments everywhere are continuing to spend a lot of money to support businesses and households. So that's really, really important. And that will obviously have to continue for a while longer. The second piece then is the vaccine rollout. You know, the speed with which a large number of vaccines have been delivered, uh, the success of the scientific community in delivering these vaccines has really, really been extraordinary. And it's been, you know, one of the most incredibly positive um, scientific developments I think we've seen in years, particularly the MRA, mRNA technology that underlies the Pfizer and the BioNTech um, vaccines. So that has caught them by surprise. And um, as a consequence, they are much, much more upbeat about the world economy. And I have to say, I wouldn't disagree because, um, and there is a big proviso here. And I think every time I've spoken to you in the last 12 months, I have always thrown in this proviso on anything I say. Uh, the future is going to be determined by epidemiology rather than economic fundamentals. And um, so if you assume that the vaccine continues to run faster than the variants of the virus um, and you know succeed everywhere in bringing it under control, uh, that 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 obviously is what needs to happen. Sorry, I suppose that was predicated on the bleakness of the forecast was really rather simplistic view of economies closed down, therefore economic activity closed down. It it didn't take account of the fact that businesses innovated and I suppose governments adopted quite innovative uh, measures in response to the pandemic. Yeah, excuse me, it's it's been absolutely incredible uh, the way in which technology has adopted the way in which, um, you know, remote working, the way in which conferences, et cetera, 
have been facilitated through technologies like Zoom and so on that we'd never heard of over a year ago. So certainly technology in terms of vaccine delivery and in terms of enabling work and economic activity has been extraordinary. And um, the and, and, I, and I think another, I suppose, a manifestation of all of that is the fact that we've had here in this country and indeed everywhere, it's been very much a story of dual economies. So in, in, our, in an Irish context, if you work in foreign direct investment, if you work in the financial service sector, professional services, um, the public sector, the last 12 months have been good to you in terms of earnings, in terms of your job security, etc. Whereas if you work in sectors tied to hospitality, the airline industry, anything to do with tourism, personal services like hairdressing, and so on, and of course, arts and entertainment, it's been an absolute nightmare scenario. So, it, and that I think wasn't fully recognized at the beginning of the pandemic, that some sectors actually would not be affected by it. They, they would adapt, they would survive, whereas other sectors, you know, have been very, very seriously hit. Now, and in the I context, suppose, yeah. sorry, Jim, in the context of, of that two-speed economy, is also listening to your excellent, if I must say, uh, podcast, The Other Hand, that you do with Chris Johns. I heard you talking about, you know, into the future, even with the growth, um, there's going to be vaccine vaccinated economies, um, if that's the term that you used. But, you know, how a country adapts to the vaccine and uses the vaccine is a big determinant of how fast their growth is going to be. Yeah, yes, it, it is indeed. And the, the IMF certainly um, was very strong on this earlier this week. It was basically saying that the, the the magnitude of the recovery and the relative recovery in different countries would be driven by the rollout of the vaccine. And, you know, clearly um, a country like Israel, which has by far the highest percentage of its population, vaccinated at this stage, but the United States and the United Kingdom are not too far behind. Um, the, the manner in which that vaccine has been delivered will obviously um, deliver a much stronger economic upturn in those countries because the restrictions will be able to be lifted as the population becomes vaccinated. But I think the IMF has pointed out, and I think this is really significant as well, that this race isn't really one until every race is won as such. It is essential that every country in the world um, gets a proper vaccination program. Because if you look at what's going on in Brazil at the moment, for example, um, COVID-19 is rampant. The vaccination program is diabolical because of Bolsonaro's policies since the beginning of the crisis. Um, so you cannot have you know, a number of countries that are fully vaccinated and then have a number of other countries where vaccination is awful, where for a variety of reasons and where, you know, uh, the virus is still rampant because that will seriously inhabit, inhibit international travel. But it also gives rise to the dangers that new variants will emerge in these countries that are currently out of control, effectively like Brazil and that the vaccines won't be able to deal with those variants. So it's essential, in other words, that the vaccine program is rolled out across the world, not just the developed world, the lesser developed world, the poor countries has to have 
a ramp up of vaccination programs as well to ensure that the global economy comes back. But in, in answer to your question, John, yeah, there's no doubt about it. The coming months um, in Ireland, in Europe, the United States, the United Kingdom, everywhere will be determined by uh, the rollout of the vaccination program and how quickly the restrictions can be lifted and how quickly we can get back to some semblance of normality. Uh, but for sectors in the Irish economy tied to hospitality, um, you know, arts and entertainment, those those sectors that I mentioned, um, I would have deep concerns about the ongoing serious restrictions that are in place. And um, I think the last time I was on with you, I was kind of critical of the National Public Health Emergency Team, NEFID, um, over the, the, the total unwillingness to really apply a risk-based assessment to different activities. Yeah, I suppose um, yeah. on that, Jim, um, I listened to your podcast and you described um, the announcements during the week or the reaction to the outdoor figures as a new low point. Um, just talk to me briefly about that. Well, uh, there was data released by the HSPC earlier in the week, so it's official data. Um, it's not data that's garnered up by somebody like me. It's official data. And it showed that just 0.1% of the <clears throat> COVID cases can be attributed to outdoor activities, just 0.1%. And then within 24 hours, Colin Henry, the chief clinical officer in the HSE, came out basically dissing those statistics and saying they weren't reliable um, and, and that you know there were nuances that we needed to look at. But that really got to me because... This is official data, okay? So it is authentic. And if if the data had been telling a story that matched Colm Henry and Neffet's view of the world, you know, they would have taken those data on board um, and embraced them. Mm. But the moment the data doesn't suit their agenda, suddenly they start to rubbish the data. I, I think as a communications exercise, that is diabolical because... You know, it does create a huge sense of disillusionment amongst people. I have to say, personally, um, the notion that you would attribute the same level of risk to me being out on the side of a mountain, which I like to do and I can't do at the moment, or in a pub. You know, different activities have different levels of risk attaching and there has been no real effort in this country, I think, to assess different activities based on risk, excepting, of course, that nothing is risk-free. Mm. Um, and, and indeed, outside of COVID times, nothing is risk-free anyway. Every time you get out of bed in the morning, you yeah. know, the risk profile starts. But uh, so I, yeah, I, I, I found the manner in which those outdoor COVID statistic rates were rubbished by Colin Henry and Neffet as pretty demoralising and depressing, to be honest. Yeah, we find it hard, I suppose, to have a mature discussion in the public realm because I suppose it, you could put it across that when they did try and follow the science and one and said the vaccination should be age-based, um, there was a big furore with the teachers. Um, so our public debate is in a, a sorry state and the net effect of it, I suppose, is that business feels that it's not been represented in it and that, that it's just a health-based or a, a safety-first um point of view that's prevailing no matter what john there's so much in there i don't know where to start but um <laughs> you know the reaction of the teachers unions this week at their conferences to a scientifically based decision um 
that vaccines should be rolled out on an age-related basis. Uh, scientifically, I think that is very, very clear, and it has been clear since the beginning. Uh, and I posed the question earlier in the week, um, if the government had not changed the schedule of vaccination the week before last, what would the teachers' unions have found to complain about this week? You know, it, 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 it landed in their lap ahead of their conferences, and by God, have they exploited it. Um, I am not for one moment having a go at teachers, okay? It's, it's a, a profession that I have huge respect for, and I think that plays a huge role in society, economy, and our lives. Uh, but the teachers' unions certainly do not cover themselves in glory. Um, and on the other side of the coin, then, you have, as you say, you know, the business community that have really been hung out to dry on all of this. Uh, the messaging has been dreadful. Um, there has been pretty much a blanket, scorched earth, earth approach to, you know, shutting down businesses um, without any real consideration of, you know, some businesses can certainly function in a relatively safe way, but they're not allowed to do that. Um, and I would have had another big criticism of Neffert because Neffert was given a very one-dimensional mandate, which was to keep COVID under control and prevent the hospital system from coming under pressure, full stop. There was nothing thrown in there about business, about social considerations, about other health considerations, and so on. And then if you look at the personnel that made up Netflix, there was nobody in there with a remote background in business or economics. So um, I, I, I think that is all wrong. And I feel so sorry for those businesses out there at the moment who have no idea when they're going to be able to get back to normal. Um, many of them are just struggling with state support to basically stay alive. And many of them, once we come out of this, will really struggle to get back into business and to survive and prosper into the future. So, um, yeah, I'd be pretty critical about that whole approach. But I guess, um, and this is one thing that has certainly struck me from observing what's going on around the world, it's clear that in every country, you know, criticism is being leveled at the authorities about the way in which they've handled it. But I would still say, and the listeners should not forget for one moment, that statistically, Ireland has had the most stringent lockdown restrictions over the last 12 months than virtually any other country in the world. Yeah. Now, Ronan Glynn um, on Thursday evening was saying, well, it's our job to be conservative and it's up for other other um, uh, interest groups to put forward their uh, points of view. But it doesn't seem as if the government is listening. You know, you have scientific advisory groups, but to the best of my knowledge, the government doesn't have um, a a business advisory group to advise it on how business should adapt. Is that a fair characterization? Uh, that, is, that is, I think, a very fair characterization. And, and, and perhaps I came across as being critical of Neffet. Um, Neffet is doing what it was told to do, okay? And it was, occup- it was populated with people um, with the expertise to achieve what it was told to achieve. Um, it's then up to government to accept or not accept or vary the recommendations that come from Neffet. So really, um, the, the blame for all of this has to rest on the shoulders of government. You know, the failure to consider the business implications of the very stringent restrictions we've been subject to 
that does fall on the shoulders of government. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, well, um, we are where we are. Is it too late to consider the setting up of a, a business advisory group? We have a scientific advisory group, a public health advisory group. Um, I think I think it's too late at this stage, to be perfectly honest, because the, the hope would be that over the next couple of months, uh, the vaccine rollout will be ramped up significantly. And Stephen Donnelly hopefully will reach a situation soon where he won't be able to use the supply of vaccines as an excuse for the ham-fisted way in which the vaccine rollout has happened to date. Uh, so once supply comes on stream, you know, one, once the population starts to um, get an increase in penetration of the vaccine, you would then expect, you know, hospitalization and death rates to fall significantly. And then, you know, businesses will start to reopen, you would hope. So I probably think um, 12 months ago was the time when these business issues should have been taken into consideration. Um, it's probably too late at this stage. Um, you talked um, in your podcast yeah. about economic scarring. Um, you know, you and uh, that's I'm referring, of course, to the other hand, your your podcast with Chris Johns. Um, what's your feeling? Do you think the Irish economy in general is going to be scarred? Um, the UK Chancellor seems to have accepted that the UK economy is going to be uh, smaller permanently into the future. Do you think that's going to be the case for us? Yeah, I, I think there will be scarring. Um, those sectors that have been most adversely affected by the restrictions, you know, the, the whole hospitality area, um, arts and arts and culture and so on, um, arts and entertainment, they, they will definitely, there will be permanent damage done to those sectors. You know, it, it could take years to come back to anything like the levels of um, activity which they had before COVID-19. And I think in that context, one of the things that really does worry me is what's happening on the aviation side, because we have seen, obviously, a virtual shutdown of Ireland's international connectivity over the last 12 months. Um, routes have been moved. We see Aer Lingus now flying out of Manchester to a number of destinations around the world. So the routes are being taken out of Ireland and there is no guarantee that those routes will come back. So in other words, um, Ireland's international connectivity could be seriously damaged by this. Um, and, and that's a huge problem, particularly on the tourism front. Um, and, and, I, and I know I, I'm just observing what the airline industries in airline companies are saying at the moment, you know, about their future plans. And, and, and you would fear that our international connectivity will be permanently damaged by this. So in answer to your question, um, John, yes, there will be permanent scarring. There will be a significant increase in inequality because those people and those businesses who've been at the cutting edge of the COVID restrictions, you know, they have been really left behind by those other sectors that have continued to prosper during COVID-19. So, for policymakers, there's going to be a major, major challenge to address that inequality to try and help those sectors that and individuals who have been left behind by this. Um, and that's the only way you can actually, I think, ameliorate some of the scarring. Yeah, but there will be scarring. Looking ahead, uh, presuming that the government's um, vaccination targets are met throughout April, May and June, how do you think we look back or how will the economy fare over the next number of months? Well, I mean, I, I I have been pretty optimistic about the economy in general. 
because uh, there's, there's a number of things. There's a personal savings in the year to January increased by 15 billion, 126 billion in savings now sitting in bank accounts, earning no interest. Uh, that is the highest level we've ever seen. So at some stage, when consumers get the confidence and the wherewithal to go out and spend again, I think you will see a huge resurgence in consumer spending. Um, so pent up demand. And on the business side, likewise, we've seen a lot of business investment put on hold in the last 12 months. Uh, business deposits have increased by over 11 billion in the last 12 months. So a lot of that um, parked investment, um, I think, will come back on stream over the coming months. So I think we are likely to see a lot of pent up demand coming back into the system. And you will see, I believe, a strong rebound in economic activity. But there are still sectors within that you would seriously worry about because it's going to take a long time for international tourism, for example, to come back to anything like its pre-COVID normality. So, um, so in other words, the rising tide is not going to lift all boats. And that's why I repeat my point. I think it's essential uh, that as much policy support as possible is given to those sectors that will be left behind on the way up. OK, Jim, to close, I mentioned your podcast, uh, The Other Hand with Chris Johns, available on all platforms. To people who may not have heard it yet, tell us about it and uh, what kind of stuff you cover. Well, Chris Johns is uh, a Welsh economist um, who worked here in Ireland for a number of years. He's living back in Cardiff now. Um, in fact, he hired me in Bank of Ireland back in 1990. So, um He's, he's a really strong economist, in my view. Um, he writes a weekly column in the Irish Times. But Chris and myself speak most days about economics, politics, finance, and so on. And about a couple of months ago, we decided, would it be worthwhile recording these conversations? So that's what we've done. Uh, we sit down a couple of times a week, and we have a conversation about what we think are the issues of the day. Um, we put them out on podcasts. In fact, the... The reaction to date has been great. Uh, we're trying to grow numbers, obviously, but we're enjoying it. And that's the most important thing. And we hope um, existing and potential listeners enjoy it as well. So thank you very much for giving it a plug. Um, I, I would I would ask people really to, you know, check it out. And if you like it, subscribe. And if you don't, let us know. Absolutely. Well, Jim, best of luck with that. It's great, as always, uh, to talk to you. And I have listened to the podcast and it is well worth a listen. So uh, recommendation uh, for the other hand from the bottom line. Thank you very much, John. KCLR's Bottom Line. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie